Just a huge amalgamation of two very clever buyers um, and me just wanting probably a bit more out and out rather than discretion. But I've always gone for the flash rather than discretion. <laughs> we love you for that, though. Um. <laughs> we took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello and welcome to the Art of Costume podcast. I am your host, Spencer Williams, and thank you so much for joining me for another bonus episode. What's going on, costume nerds? I am so excited to talk to you about today's episode as we just have so many exciting costumes to talk about. Uh, We're talking, of course, about the huge epic Napoleon directed by one of my favorites, Ridley Scott. You all know how I feel about the Alien films. I could talk about them forever, thanks to Ridley Scott. So, you know, when I saw that Ridley Scott was doing Napoleon with some of these incredible costume designers, you know I was seated. I had to see it. It's so good. It was worth the wait. Uh, But let's get into it with some of our usual business with a summary. Napoleon is a look at the military commander's origins and his swift, ruthless climb to emperor. Viewed through the prism of his addictive and often volatile relationship with his wife and one true love, Josephine. Now diving behind the costumes, we have director Ridley Scott and costume designers Janty Yates and David Crossman. You know Janty Yates from her Academy Award winning work on Gladiator. She also designed the costumes for Miami Vice, American Gangster, Prometheus, which is one of my all-time favorite films. When you get home from work or if you're home already, get yourself a box of pizza, a drink, watch Prometheus. You'll thank me later. It is so good. Uh, She also designed the costumes for Exodus, Gods and Kings, Martian, for which she got a Costume Designers Guild nomination, Alien Covenant, The Last Duel, and, of course, The House of Gucci, for which Janty Yates was nominated for another Costume Designers Guild award. Then we have costume designer David Crossman, who really has such an incredible specialty in military wear. You know David from his work on Rogue One, for which he was nominated for Costume Designers Guild Award. Solo, a Star Wars story, which is, of course, the Han Solo film. 1917, and David was credited as costume designer on The Batman with Robert Pattinson for designing the Batsuit. Both Janty Yates and David Crossman are currently in production on Gladiator 2, which I know is going to be incredible. I'm so excited. And of course, Janty Yates and David Crossman were both nominated for a Cami Award for their work on Napoleon. I'm so excited to get into this film. There's so many costumes I'm excited to talk about. Of course, just the breath of France, um, for which Janty really 
dove into some incredible research to bring this era to life. Um, of course, Josephine's incredible costumes when you see her going about the castle and to the pond. And oh my gosh, that incredible coronation scene. It is incredibly beautiful. I was blown away when I saw it. It is so good. And of course, I want to talk about all the war scenes too, for which David Crossman really took lead on with his military background. Uh, they're huge. They're epic. The breakdown of the costumes, there's blood, dirt, everything. These costumes just go through everything. It is a bloody mess. And you know that I love that. So I'm so excited. Uh, and with that being said, right after this break, we're going to be joined by costume designers Janty Yates and David Crossman. I am so excited. I have so many questions. So stay tuned. Thank you all. designers Janty Yates and David Crossman. Thank you so much for being here. I'm a big fan of both your work. Uh, David, your prowess in military wear. Janty, I mean, I could go on forever. Uh, Prometheus, one of the best movies of all time. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, let's get into it. So, Janty, you have been a longtime collaborator of Ridley Scott's, obviously, uh, going back to Gladiator for what you won an Academy Award. So, going into Napoleon, this huge epic film. Did you have an idea of what you're getting yourself into this time? There was just another Ridley movie. <laughs> another Ridley movie. <laughs> right. Well, I would also like to talk for a moment about the research process, uh, for which I can only imagine was very in-depth. I read that you actually traveled to France, too, to get a better idea of who these characters were. We went independently, ironically. Um, I went... We both went to Provence uh, independently and we both went to Paris independently. It was just a matter of timing because I think, David, you were on another film, weren't you, when I went? Um, so he joined a little bit later. But, yeah, we did every museum in Paris. We went to Fontainebleau. We went to Malmaison. Um, obviously, the um, muse Museum of um military museum in Paris, which is, I could have spent a week there. It was so yeah. fascinating. Um, even though David did the military. <laughs> you know, also I went to two or three other just museums in Paris that would show you how the French lived in that period, in that time. Because you don't know really, you know, what they ate for lunch or what they ate for supper or whether they ate at all, you know, sort of things like that you do need to know. And uh, then also in England, obviously, the British Museum, the Museums Ashmolean and uh, 
Pitt River. And then also, funnily enough, the Jane Austen Museum in Bath, which was actually very helpful, very helpful for that period because they had simpler ideas. And then another museum in Chertsey, believe it or not, that allowed us to see how the costumes were made. We were able to tear them, no, not tear them, but turn them inside out and uh, really examine the seams, etc. It was a wonderful opportunity, in actual fact. Wow, that sounds fascinating. I have to admit, I'm quite jealous. Uh, David, let's get into the military aspect of it all. Uh, to take on this enormous task, uh, I could imagine it must have been a little daunting, especially since there were so many, I mean, these armies were massive, huge. So um, how did you and the team assemble all these costumes? And what did your research process look like uh, getting into this specific time period of military wear? Well, the, I mean, the research... I think Janty rang me about the job and then I think there was a break. I think COVID happened after that. And then, so there was a bit of a break and I was kind of half looking at the subject thinking the job might happen. And <laughs> when it was going to happen, then I just started gathering. You you go after kind of every image of Napoleon you can get your hands on and try and collate it. And then you try and put it into some kind of date line. And so I kind of amassed these books of his kind of life kind of in pictures and then um and then before you kind of start anything it was important to me just to go and look at real clothing and uh we've got a friend called mark wallace who has this clothing collection just outside london and it's all original pieces everything there is original so he's got these beautiful original bicons of the period um lovely coats he's got coats from from the french revolution he's got um bridges and waistcoats and lovely coats and so we borrowed a good chunk of those and then we took patterns from everything so we had kind of staple original shapes for everything that we were going to produce for actors but also everything that we were going to try and produce for the crowd because most of those numbers didn't exist and and the thing is it's uh there were so many things like bear skins to make and all that and we didn't really want to use real fur and um, you couldn't really, you know, we were trying to make it a bit more vegan and trying not to sort of, you know, slay millions of animals. So we were, we were trying to work on kind of synthetic versions of like grenadiers, bearskin hats and things like that. So it was all sampling all these kind of pieces and getting, you know, original hats made from Joaquin's uh, bicorns, which are made of tree bark. And so we sent those off to our milliners in Rome who made brilliant shapes you know to the to the measurements that you can get in the, on the museum website so they had all the kind of dimensions of these hats so we made some of those just to kick off and then um then we started all the embroidery for the, the kind of higher ranks and the generals because throughout the whole french revolutionary period and into the kind of empire there's just so much embroidery so much gold and bullion embroidery so that was a real time challenge because Obviously, all of that's by hand. You're trying not to do that by machine. You're trying to get the hand kind of embroidered because it's much heavier. It looks weightier and more real. Um, so you're, you're, you're just trying to hit all these things, you know, at the same time. You're just trying to do sort of... Sounds like we went to Provence on some kind of holiday, but there is actually this great museum in Provence on, um, called the Museum of the Empires. It's this collection of two brothers who had this huge Napoleonic uniform collection. And... Um, they stored it in their house and it's been, it's owned now by the government, but um, 
but they had these amazing costumes on mannequins complete from head to toe. And, um, and they're just such brilliant reference for us. So combined with the shapes, you know, the, combined with getting the kind of colours right and just doing a nice kind of balance of colours for the film, that's, that's kind of how we approached it. This is a massive undertaking. I can't even imagine. Uh, and I would like to turn actually to Napoleon, uh, David, uh, because we all kind of have an idea of what Napoleon might have looked like based on textbooks, but you really had to do probably more in-depth research than just reading a history textbook. So how did you approach Napoleon's uh, military uniforms? Um, I think we first, first of all, hats, and then how many hats we're we going to do over the period of the film? You know, how many times will he change kind of, is his, his hat almost gets bigger as he gets more powerful. It almost turns into a, you know, the bike <laughs> from 1805 to 1815. I love that. <laughs> wanted to do, you know, there was so many, there was, we, we, we sort of tried to hunt down every existing item of Napoleon's. There was one green coat left in a, in one museum, which had been restored. So that was great. Even though it was only online, but it was great. It was a great resource for us. But there's a gray coat hanging in the museum in Paris along with his biform. So we looked at that and then combined that with a real coat of the period and put it all together and then did it to uh, whacking sizes. And so you wanted to get a nice skirting in the coat and, it, you know, which I, I don't think, I see other, I've see i seen other versions of Napoleon's, so I'm not, you know, but they, they're not always that kind of, that shape of a, of a, of a riding coat of the, of the time. Hmm. But so you, you're trying, you, you then try and build in some of the romance, the portraits and the paintings, but not, Kind of not overdoing it because Joaquin is going to do a kind of authenticish, you know, kind of performance, and you so you want to kind of be in in line with that and not be too fantastical. But um, yes, yeah, so it's a combination of kind of combination. It's like in the same way there's different portraits, so you kind of take the best of everything and then try and put it into the one thing. And as long as people look at it and go, "That's Napoleon," then it's okay, as well. It's like that. Yeah, well, mission accomplished, I think. <laughs> we got that point. <laughs> uh, I now want to turn to Josephine, who is played brilliantly by Vanessa Kirby. Uh, the story of Josephine is quite intimate and emotional. Uh, Janty, could tell us about designing these costumes to help tell the story of Josephine and also what your collaboration might have looked like between you and Vanessa and bringing this person to life? Well, um, there wasn't really any because she came in very last minute. Oh. <laughs> we had Jodie Coma up until um, Christmas, and we were shooting in February. So that was a bit of a last minute <laughs> dot com. And uh, she was she was so in love with the costumes that we'd made already. Um, we had to do a huge alteration because she's taller and slimmer. She had the same size feet, thank God. And so, you know, we just carried on really. But uh, so luckily, Vanessa was fantastic and she understood the arc that I was trying to, you know, just gently hint at um, from prison through to the greatest riches and basically the coronation and then going slowly downwards, really, not from there, but from sort of the divorce onwards, very much, you know, the arc is descending. And I had spoken with Ridley and I said, I want to keep her silvers and golds, gold bullion and uh, lace and 
lots of embroidery, lots of uh, you know beautiful the the most beautiful fabrics in the world. Um, and he said, fine. So we went ahead. <laughs> kind of like a costume design dream, this character, I would say. you could. There was a lot of fun stuff that could happen here. Well, I was very fortunate. We have to talk about the coronation scene, Janty. I was in the theater with another costume designer, Mitchell Travers, and we were absolutely floored watching this scene. It was so grand. And I've got to ask, just how did you and your team pull this scene together? It was it felt like we were looking at a portrait the entire time. Well, we did actually completely copy David's portrait. Oh. I mean, to the to the point where I found these wonderful floral um, copes for the archbishop, and we put those on, and they matched the. Well, they didn't exactly match, but you know, <laughs> they I were probably a hundred years old, and found them in the Paris um, flea market. Not cheap, but anyway, it was it was a collaboration. It was David, David nagging us constantly to get the get the trains embroidered, get them <laughs> embroidered because they were so huge, and we were getting quotes from all over Europe. And uh, in the end, it was a contact in Pakistan who they came in. They sent photos of them just sitting round. 13 of them in the family, all embroidering the trains. Amazing. And they came back and they were, we were so lucky. They were perfect. We never, ever believed they'd come back perfect. And they did. And we were very lucky. And the dresses, obviously, everything was um, hand embroidered in gold bullion for the uh, ladies in waiting and for Josephine and um, and uh, Joaquin. And then all the jewellery most of the jewellery we made in-house, our, um, our jeweller. And then, Dave, you can talk about your wonderful military splendour. I mean, we made as many full-dressed marshals coats as possible because they're embroidered everywhere, front, back, sleeves, just all over the place. So as many as we could afford, basically. And then we were, you know, trying to pad out the ranks with as much as much embroidery on show there was a book actually that Janty had, which was a kind of it's a it's like a reprint of all the costumes worn at the coronation. It's like all the kind of so we I think we tried to add some of those into the David looking at the David painting and then looking at the that book because we did some heralds from that and you know um, full dress uniforms for Ben Miles Collincourt when he comes over with the crown. So he's wearing this kind of blue costume either designed by him or Napoleon or or David. I'm not sure who, who did it, but it's this kind of pale blue with silver embroidery. We were just trying to, you know, so we, yeah, we tried to mix those two together and just try and get as much luxury into it as possible. Yeah, what a beautiful scene. And David, thank you for pushing for an embroidery because it was quite the treat. <laughs> but it was because we were just so, it was such a lot to do. It was so expensive. So me and Janty would talk every kind of few days about where we were going to go next for a boat. And people were coming up with eye-watering amounts of money to do these things because you had to do them both. And then in the end, you know, um, as Janty said, Melissa had this other person who could do it. And, um, and their price was really good and they could do it in the time. So, you know, we we went with them. But I think that was it. We just didn't want to commit too early. I think that was one of the things people were sending yeah. in. 
didn't want to do it on machine. We didn't want to. We wanted to do it by hand, but without kind of going insane, you know. And it's a uh, it's a huge risk. <laughs> Right, because if it had been brought forward at all, that scene, we wouldn't have made it. No, we just made it. You know, it's right. like a very close. Wow. Well, I now want to talk about one of my favorite aspects of costume design, which is the breakdown of costumes. And David. Oh, we love you. We love you. <laughs> Nobody even knows about breakdown. Oh, I mean, you can't do this film without, with, you know, and we had someone called Joe Weaving who ran our department and she. I, I don't know how she did it. We would literally give her thousands of garments to do. And it she was messy. It was dirt, blood, snow, water, ice, horses, everything. Before all of that happens, all those costumes go through this process before they get to the set. You know, so they arrive, you know, there they are, they're bright this, they're bright that, they're they're too much, you know. And so they all have to go through through Joe. And it's um and she puts shape and character into them. So they're not just kind of off a, off the peg, and she just coped with this kind of just I mean huge amounts coming in by truck every week, and <laughs> and you know she got through it with her team, and it was uh, it was amazing. You know, I was. But you can't do a Ridley film without huge department of breakdown, really, can you, Dave? No, I mean it, it's it's so important. But people often forget about it because it really helps you feel immersed within the story. You know, imagine if all these uniforms were just out of the laundry; it would look so ridiculous. So I I really appreciate it. I was it felt like That's art. What she helped us achieve was this kind of just controlling the whole way it looks, rather than looking like a bunch of I keep saying reenactors, but like a bunch of kind of theatrical uniforms marching about, which often it just looks cheap and nasty. Right. Because often you just don't have the time or the money to do these things. And it's um so we just wanted to try and do it so it looked authentic and believable and, and real. And um and that's where you 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 can't do it without a great breakdown department. Right. Uh, Janty, I now want to turn to you. Uh from seeing this film, I can tell that you must have a huge appreciation for textiles and fabrics. Um we noticed some furs as well. There's that one scene where Josephine's standing outside her home waiting for Napoleon and she's wearing, I don't remember the color, maybe it was like a, a light purple, but the fur around the collar. I was very struck by that costume. So uh, can you share your uh, process when it comes to fabrics, furs, textiles? Well, I always start a film by going to the costume, to the um, fabric warehouses and uh, buying well, we both do really buy by the mile, and then we go off to various other places. And I went to a favorite um, outlet in Lyon, and that's glorious for the upper echelons. And then we bought a huge, huge, huge amount in the um, flea market in Paris, and. Uh, basically lengths of fabric we took uh, we took the embroidery off and reapplied it we appliqued an awful lot of the embroidery because you can't obviously use the original piece of fabric you just have right. to steal the steal the embroidery the fur is all fake of course you know in this day and age can't can't use the real mccoy and uh you know, it was just very cleverly applied because it. I think it's it's in the application that it looks like real fur. 
um, just a huge amalgamation of two very clever buyers um, and me just wanting probably a bit more out and out rather than discretion. I've always gone for the flash rather than discretion. <laughs> we love you for that, though. Um, <laughs> but, David, uh, we talked about a little bit earlier, but um, I was fascinated by the use of hats. And I felt like there's an evolution of the hats as a film kind of went from beginning to end. So you touched on a little bit, but if you could, you know, in detail, kind of talk about the use of hats. Yeah, I mean, it's the my one of my big fears having on hats and actors. They're often, you know, a difficult pairing because people are kind of scared of big shapes on people's heads, and it's, especially um, these types of well, specific hats. Get a lot of pushback on various films with various hats. It's always about hats, and you know, because it's that's what you're seeing in the kind of the frame. And um, but we. We did take our, we took our original shapes and we copied them. And they just kind of, they just kind of work in proportion with the uniforms. And our com company in Rome made our first sample Napoleon hats from a kind of tree bark because Joaquin's a, a vegan, so he can't wear wool felt. And so we found this bark that we'd um, been using for other things on other films. And then we, we got the milliners to try and try and do a kind of, icon from that and it worked so well because it gave us this beautiful texture on the hat rather than just being a flat kind of felt look so when it catches the light in some way it looks more like a kind of beaver skin hat or it has a kind of you know they, they have a lot of interest in them and then so the and then and the next thing was to find we, we just found antique braids. We were always on whackings, hats, and on all the marshals. We were use, using original, not original 1805, but kind of period vintage braids that we could find. Um, you know, whenever we found them in antique shops or in flea markets. And so we'd buy up enough rolls so that you could do the actor and his riding double. And then the actual shapes of the hats, they go kind of... Um, it's kind of French revolutionary bicorns, you know, in the early kind of period in the revolutionary years, and they kind of evolve. Um, the bicorn stays with you for about sort of 10 ish years, and then it turns into the kind of early looking um, hat called the Shaco. And then the Shaco becomes the kind of symbol of late Napoleonic kind of um, late Napoleonic soldier. And the marshals and generals, they all wear huge bicorns with different colored feathers, which denote their kind of rank on the field. Mm. And then Napoleon almost, so you'd have a lot of it, you know, elaborate hats and headwear hussars, busbies. And um, whereas Napoleon tends to go plainer, once once he's passed the rank of generals in charge and he becomes emperor, then he goes into this kind of, from, from that day on, he's pretty much wearing a plain black bicorn hat. And he's kind of, you know, figuring out his, his brand for the rest of his life. Oh, wow. So there really is an evolution through the hats as we watch through the film. I mean, um, you, could, you could do more, but you, if you did too too many, but I, th I think we kind of got roughly the right kind of, um, you know, there is more scope, but um, yeah. Right. Well, I mean, <laughs> it looked amazing on screen. Uh, as we wrap here, I'd like to ask both of you, now that Napoleon is out in the world, uh, what do you hope the audience will take away from the film and supporting... Uh, costumes. Chanty, I'll start with you. I hope they have deep joy. I think I hope they're amused 
because it is very funny. Um, I hope they're educated and in a nice way, not in a feeling like I've been sitting for two and a half hours in front of a school teacher. <laughs> I hope they're entertained. And so everything. I hope they have what we used to call a really good old-fashioned film feeling leaving it, but we don't have quite the same anymore. I hope they have the old-fashioned satisfaction. Oh, I love that. I wish my history teacher actually did teach like this. Uh, David, <laughs> what about you? It's true. I think I hope they appreciate the the humorous aspects of Napoleon's life, because when you read the books and the biographies, there's loads of funny moments, and you can see why those are in the script of you. I'm sort of glad of them in there, and it's kind of, I think it's a very good portrayal in loads of places. I think it's very true to you know, what you've read about him. So you just want them to, exactly as Janty says, you just want them to, you just want people to enjoy the film, just go, wow, I really enjoyed that film, because it is a, it's a spectacle, you know, and it's, um, you just need to go to the cinema and just enjoy yourself, don't you, for a couple of hours and not, um, not feel banged over the head by history's hammer or, you know. <laughs> but, you, but, you know, just to actually enjoy because Whacking's so engaging to watch and Vanessa's great. So the, the two of them together, I think they make a really good, enjoyable film. It won't, it won't cover every aspect of Napoleon. It's not going to go everywhere and do everything. But, but it's a great kind of basis for thought, isn't it? <laughs> Right. Well, I have to say the film is very immersive and I had a great time watching it. I laughed. I cried a little bit. I was I was scared from all the breakdown. <laughs> so thank you so much. Costume designer Janty Yates and David Crossman. Thank you so much for joining. This was a real treat. And I hope everyone rushes to the theaters and sees Napoleon as soon as possible. Thank you. So thank you. The Art of Costume podcast is hosted and produced by Elizabeth Joy Glass and Spencer Williams. Our audio engineering and editing is done by Dan White. Follow us on TikTok at The Art of Costume and Instagram at The Art of Costume Pod. If you want to support the show, go to theartofcostume.com slash podstore. For more podcast updates, costume reviews, deep dives, and interviews, go to theartofcostume.com, a blog dedicated to highlighting the best in costume design.